If you got your Bibles with you this morning, I want to ask you to turn with me to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, and we're going to read several verses here in just a few minutes, but I want to kind of set the stage uh, for this morning. Luke chapter 15, we're going to start in verse 11, but uh, let me just begin this morning by uh, sharing with you a progressive reformer by the name of Jane Adams in 1911 wrote this statement. Poor father has been left out in the cold. He doesn't get much recognition. It would be a good thing if we had a day that would mean recognition for him. Well, 61 years later, President Richard Nixon signed a bill into law making Father's Day a national holiday. So today is a national holiday to recognize our fathers. And that's what I want to do today. I'm happy that we recognize dads on this day. You know, the Bible tells us that the first four of the Ten Commandments deal with our relationship with God. Then the next six commandments that God gives to us deal with our relationship, our human relationship with one human to another. And the very first of those six human relationships actually has to do with children and parents, dads to be exact today. And uh, the Bible tells us that in Exodus 20 verse 12, honor thy father and your mother that your days may be long in the land which the Lord your God gives you. Yes, it is a commandment with a promise. Give honor to your parents and, and it'll be, you'll be a person whose life will um, have equal um, existence. Although the person who lives with respect of parents has much better chance of long life, the primary theme of the, is the quality of that long life. So it's fitting that we celebrate both Mother's Day, which we did last month, and then Father's Day, which we do today. The reason God includes this command is that it runs counterintuitive to our human nature. Our human nature is not to give honor and respect. Our human nature is to rebel and, and to turn away. So as we think about this, the Lord himself has given us this commandment so that we might recognize our need for honor towards our parents. We're living in a society today that I think is in large, is looking for a model father. The question then asked is, is there such a thing as a model father? Well, the answer is a two-part answer because it's kind of a um, one and the other, yes and no. Yes, there is a model father, but no, there is not a model father. And uh, hopefully by the time I'm done, you'll understand what I mean as I try to explain this to you. Yes, there is a model father. He is one in which we can all look to. He is one in which we should set our standard in. But unfortunately, we don't always meet up. So the answer is yes and no. Some do it better than others. And as a result, it comes easier for them. However, we need to be reminded that none of us are perfect. 
Even myself, I tried to be a good dad, but from time to time, like all of us, I blow it, I fail, but I can tell you that I'm not giving up. As a Christian, we're told that we should never give up even when we fall and falter, but we should get back up and we should allow the Lord to dust us off, to clean us up, and then to put us back into action. And that's what we need to do. Because I, though I am not a perfect dad, I have a perfect model in which to follow. Now, in Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells a story. He's gathered a group of people together and he tells them this incredible story. And in this incredible story, it's probably one of the most appreciated stories in all of the New Testament. It has come to be known as the prodigal son story. But listen, over the years I've preached many a sermons on the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15 from different perspectives of the sons. From the rebellious son to the one who stayed home, the good son. But today I want to turn it on its head if you would. Today I don't want to talk about as much about the sons as much as I want to talk about the father. Oftentimes, the father is negated from this story, but I believe that Jesus was trying to tell the story about the father even more so than he was trying to tell the story about the sons. Because we need to see our father in this. And in this story, we're going to read it together in just a moment. But this story gives us a beautiful picture of a model father. And I want to take six things that I found in this story and share with you how that you too and I can follow the example of our model father. So would you stand with me today as we honor the reading of the word of the Lord? Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11. I think you need to hear the whole story. So we're going to read through verse 32. It won't take but just a few minutes. So listen along if you don't have your Bible with you. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger said unto his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that followeth to me. And he divided them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took the journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all there arose a mighty famine in the land and he began to be in want. And he went and he joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into the fields to feed the swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk of the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. And when he had came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? I will rise up and go to my father and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I am no more worthy to be called the son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, the father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on him and kissed him. And his son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to the servants, uh, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. 
he was lost and he is found. And they began to be married. Now the elder son was in the field, and as he had came and he drew nigh to the house, he heard the music and the dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother has come, and thy father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answered and said to him, his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgress as at any time thy commandments. And yet thou never gavest me a kid, that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, that has devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed him, the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. Father, we ask that, Lord, that you would take the story that is found here in Luke. And Lord, that you would speak unto our hearts as if we are there that day. But Lord, speak as if we are here today, hearing your word, knowing that, Father, the same story that you told then is the story that we need to hear today. That, Lord, that needs to be applied to our lives. And Lord, that how that we need to look at how that we are to be the fathers that you've called us to be. How that, Father, that we are to be the servant that you've called us to be. So Lord, I pray that you would move me out of the way and hide me behind the cross, that it not be my words, but your words spoken this morning, and that the Spirit of the Lord would fall heavy upon each and every heart. Those that are here in the building, those that are in the cars, those that are uh, able to watch online, or those that will watch later on DVD. God, I pray that you would move in a powerful and mighty way to speak and to show us how that you have come to be the example for us that we need so that we might live our lives for you, O oh Lord. We thank you for loving us. Now bless us, we pray in your name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. I shared with you that I want to share with you six things that I saw in this text that I want you to hear about uh, how to be a model father. I want you to first understand in Luke chapter 15, verse 11, the first thing that we see is the model father teaches the truth from infancy up. Listen, parents, as you were uh, shared with by Pastor Josh this morning, um, we cannot raise your children in a godly way with one hour or two hours a week. It takes you at home doing the task that God has called you to do. And dads, it is your responsibility to step up and to be the spiritual leader in your home. And in this story, Jesus tells us in verse 11 that he says there was a certain man that had two sons. Two sons that he had raised up from infancy, teaching them the principles, teaching them the truth, teaching them the things that they needed to hear. Jesus, telling this story, did not tell it in a vacuum. And what I mean by that, he was telling this story to Jews. Now, why is that important? Because Jews knew the Old Testament. They knew what God had commanded them to do in the house and in the home and as a father and as a family unit. They knew what their responsibility was. They knew the basic laws of the Old Testament were that the father was to be the spiritual leader in the home. Basic information in which they would have understood about this responsibility to teaching their children the scripture, both in precept and in action. 
Now, Josh has already shared this with you. I told him after he videoed his video that, you know, I'm going to go ahead and repeat that very same verses that he read simply because we need that reinforcement. Jesus reminds them of what the Old Testament scripture says that Moses told the people just before entering into the promised land. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words which I command to you this day shall be upon your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall walk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. And you shall bind them as a sign upon your hand, and you shall uh, put them as a frontlet uh, between your eyes. And you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. I love the fact that our family pastor's mantra is this passage of Scripture. And that he encourages the families. This is our responsibility. This is our privilege. This is our honor to be able to teach the Word of God. And we don't wait until they're adults. We start when they're in the cradle and we teach them all the way through adulthood so that as long as we're here, we can share the message of God with them. Moses also incorporated some other words found later in Deuteronomy that I want you to read. Uh, here in chapter 8 of and verse 5, and it says, No, when... Um, them know them in your heart that as a man disciplines his son the Lord your God disciplines you he gives a warning to the fathers here and says listen I want you to understand that that God is going to hold you accountable he is going to discipline you as you try to teach and discipline your own children we, needs to, we need to understand that we, first and foremost, are under God's authority, and that's what gives us authority over our families. And as we live under the authority in which we teach our children about the ways of God, it takes on more of a relevance to them so that they understand as they see us living it out ourselves. The truth of the matter is, if we try to teach them with one mode of conduct and live under a different mode of conduct, it doesn't work. How many of you remember hearing as a child something said something like this, don't do as I do, do as I say? It doesn't work, parents. It never has and it never will. The children in your life don't just do what you say, they do what you do. And we need to understand that it is important for us to not only have the right words, but we got to back it up with the right actions. And they need to see that consistently through our life. Otherwise, what we try to teach them very quickly, our children see as hypocritical and they will not listen and they will not follow. The second thing that we see is the model father has respect for individual autonomy. In verses 12 and 13, we see the, the, the beginning of an upheaval in the family life. A, 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 a rebellion begins to show itself in these verses. And, and the father deals with each child individually. The, the autonomy of the children is so important. Not every child under your house is the same. 
As a matter of fact, in most cases, they are uniquely different. In most cases, they, they will be extreme opposites, and, and, and they will be in there in between, and they will drive you nuts. Because one acts this way, and you get to expect that, and then the next one comes along, and they're all over the page. And you're going, what in the world has happened? I think they switched you at the hospital. I'm taking you back. Okay? That kind of attitude happens. That kind of behavior happens. And as they grow up and we wonder why one has a strong will and one has a submissive spirit, we're going, which one is my kid? All of them. All of them in every way are your children. And the father begins to deal with this issue. Now let me ask you a question, parent. How would you react if one of your children come to you thumbing their nose up at all that you've done for them, all that you have worked for them, all that you have prepared for them, all that you intend to give to them, and thumb their nose up and say to you, I want what's mine now. Give it to me. That's a tough one. Many of us might just say, you're out of your mind. Absolutely not. I will beat you to death. Some of us will say, you know, um, we'll talk about it later. Others will respect or respond in different ways. Let's see how the model father responds. You see, when we look at the scripture, we find that how he deals with the autonomy of his children. It was not unusual in those days for a Jewish father to distribute the estate of uh, his estate to his children while he was yet alive. He may choose to retire early and, and transfer the management of the business affairs of the, uh, the business over to his children. Now, according to Jewish law, under the Jewish law, there was some rules about how to split the inheritance or the business. Um, and the way that it worked was that two-thirds uh, went to the oldest son, and then one-third went to the younger son in this case. But there is a certain demand, um, an at demanding attitude from this younger son. He's simply saying to his dad, life is too short for me to wait until you choose to retire or die. So give me what is mine now. Let me go enjoy life um, because you are hemming me in and, and, and I'm bored with this and, and, and I want to go and live out my life my way. The father could have simply said no, son. He could have tried to blackmail his son into saying, um, uh, listen, if you just wait another few years, I'm building the business, I'm riding that growth spurt, uh, um, and if you'll just wait a few more years and I'll retire, and then you'll get so much more. Now he could have done this. He could have said, well, why don't you be like your older brother and just do what I ask? Why don't you just fall in line like your older brother did? You know, he could have done all of those things to, to try to convince the son. He could have used that famous line. We've all heard this one. Do you really want to break your mother's heart? He could have pulled on the heartstrings, but he didn't. He didn't play any games. He dealt with his son where he was. 
No, this father had prepared to stand by the teachings that he had uh, and his, uh, his wife had humbly lived out before as they shared from infancy to their two sons. He was willing to evaluate each one for who they were as individuals. He knew their strengths and he knew their weaknesses. And he was prepared to let the young son become an adult. He knew that God in his creative design had not created humans as robots who just automatically uh, obeyed or, or fell into line. But he created men and women as humans with the ability to either obey submissively or to disobey rebelliously. And we know that to be the fact if we look back at Genesis and we see how God created us from the very beginning. The model father had the respect for the individual autonomy of each of his sons. So without preaching a doomsday sermon, he divided his estate, he gave his son what he wanted, and he bid him a farewell and said, Son, you're a man now. Go make your way. One of the hardest things that you and I as parents can do, and moms, this is as, as much for you as it is for dads. One of the hardest things that we can do as parents, and having to do that several times now, I know it to be true, is to say to our children, you're an adult now. You need to go and make your own way. You need to struggle or you need to suffer. You need to succeed. You need to do what you need to do. You're the boss. God did that very same thing with us. All the way back in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve chose to disobey God and rebel, God didn't play any games. He didn't try to manipulate them. He simply said, you've made your choice, and now go live in it. So that leads me to the third point that we see is the, the model father won't stand in the way of our consequences. The hardest thing that we can do as parents is to say, I'm letting my hands off of you. I'm taking a step back. I'm going to let you live your life. I'm going to let you fall or fly. You know, I, I'm always amazed by the Eagles, not the sports team, the actual Eagles. When we were in Alaska several years ago, we saw hundreds and hundreds of Eagles and you know, the, 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 the truth of a, a mother eagle and an eaglet, or whatever they call them, um, when it gets to the point they've got all their feathers and they're ready to fly and they're looking out over, they're peering over the nest and saying, that ain't happening, I'm, I'm good right here. And what does mama do? She takes her beak and she just gives them a little push. <laughs> and she throws them out of the nest. And, and it's a long way down. And now the, the, the little guy's got to make a decision. Either I'm going to fall or I'm going to fly. But let me just give you another little tip. Mama is never, never too far away. If mama needed to, she could rescue, but she knows that he's got to face the consequences if he's ever going to learn to fly. The father could have assigned one of his servants to shadow his young son, to make sure to know where he went, to keep an eye on him, to keep him out of any danger to report back whether he was succeeding or, or whether he was failing. But he didn't. No, the model father won't stand in the way of our consequences. 
He is not in the business of premature rescue. Let me just tell you that God understands that we need to make some decisions and we need to step out on our own and He's going to step back and let us either fly or fall. Our Heavenly Father understands that as children of God, we too need to recognize that there are consequences to our actions. When we step outside of the will of God, we need to recognize that that He's not going to rush in and save us in the nick of time. Now let me remind you that God will never let you perish. Well, I mean, we can push to the point that we shorten our lives, no doubt. But our Heavenly Father doesn't run in and keep us from stubbing our toes and skinning our knees. He leaves that to ourselves. As much as in his heart is breaking, he knows that there is trouble ahead, he lets go of his children. I ask you as I ask myself, are we willing to faithfully teach and model? Do we respect the autonomy of our children, understanding that as they come to age, they need to go in their direction, not the direction that we have chosen for them, not the path that we want to paint for them, not the, the, the life we want to live for them, but their life. Are you willing to let them walk away without any guarantee that they'll ever come back? Are you ready to let them go off into a world that has promised to devour and destroy those that try to walk with God? We have to. The truth is that we have to let them go at some point because we cannot hold them. It cannot happen. We don't have a choice. If we don't let them go, they're going to rebel and they're going to pull away and then it's going to be trouble. How much better it is for us to take the initiative and say, hey, this is your life. I've done the best that I know to do. It hasn't always been the the right thing. Always hasn't been the good thing. You know my weaknesses and you know my strengths. You know the mistakes that I've made as a parent. So all I can do is ask you to forgive me for them. But it's your life now. You need to go and live it as you feel You need to live it. I'm willing to cut the the purse strings. I'm willing to cut the, the apron strings. I'm willing to let you go. You're free to be who you choose to be, to do what you choose to do, to live with the consequences of your choices. But know this. Know that I love you. Know that I always will. I may not always have handled everything correctly, I may make mistakes even in the future. But I'm always going to be your dad. And with a big hug, and with tears perhaps in our eyes, we send them off to seek their own fortunes to face whatever life may throw at them. To deal with the consequences, whether negative or positive, or in between. Because that's what the model father teaches us to do. That's what our responsibility is to do. 
The next point that we see here is found in verses 18 through 20. The model father has a love that refuses to give up. Most of us have a breaking point. We put up with as much nonsense as we can. We're patient to a point. We have hope to a point. We're willing to be tolerant up to a point. The fact is that our children have the God-given freedom to get or to go their own ways and to never come back. The truth is you and I cannot force them to live any particular way. We cannot force them to live for Christ. So let me go back to point number one to tie this in together. That's why it's so important, my friends, to not begin teaching when they're teenagers, but it's important to begin teaching them biblical truths when they're still in the cradle. Proverbs reminds us that if we train up a child in the way that they should go, that when they're old, they may walk away, but if they have that foundation from the infancy, they, like the prodigal son, will find their way back. And they will come home to the Father. We need to recognize that as the model father has set the example, we need to refuse to give up on our kids. We see the faithful father carrying out his responsibilities. He's not chasing after the prodigal son, but he's daily aware of his own breaking heart. It's important for us to learn as parents how to live with broken hearts. Jesus reminds us in, in the New Testament, in this world you will have troubles. Take courage for I have overcome the world. There's a realistic candor that we find in the biblical teachings that God gives to us on families and on parenting and on our children. We are called to continue doing what God has called us to do. Even while at the same time we are privileged to scan the horizon and hope that those that we love that have rebelled or those that have gone away will come back. As you read this story, you can't help but see the endless love of the Father. You know, the Bible tells us as it's, Jesus is telling this story and we, we tend to think that it's all about the Son but it's really about the endless love of the Father. The model Father who has the same type of rebellious children as we have. For we are they. Now when we look at the verse 20, we find that this is seen. Because listen to what Jesus says, but when the son was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. He had a love that refused to give up. 
The fifth thing that we see about how to be a model father is that a model father is always a forgiving father. You know, the Bible teaches us that in that prayer that Jesus teaches us on how to pray, teaches us the importance of forgiveness. But not only in us forgiving others, but in other ways so that we too can be forgiven. The reality is, my friends, that if we're not forgiving of others and their mistakes, why would we think God would be willing to forgive us when we make our mistakes? The father in Jesus' story avoids a vindictive attitude. Instead, he, the love explodes from within him. He has compassion. He runs. He embraces his son. He kisses his son. And then the son breaks out in his, his well-rehearsed speech that he has carefully prepared as, as he thought about coming home and how do I win my father's favor? And listen, my friends, when forgiveness walks in the room, we don't have to win the favor of God. We already have the favor of God. For forgiveness is already there. And the son says, that, as he says to his father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and, and no more worthy to be called thy son. The father doesn't seem to linger one minute over the son's acknowledgement of his sinfulness and unworthiness. He's not interested in saying, I told you so. I knew you'd be back groveling. Instead, he is simply overwhelmed with joy that floods through his system. He can do nothing but rejoice. Let me remind you about the heart of God just for a moment. You know, every time that I lead a child to the saving grace of God, I remind them of this verse. And it puts a smile on their face. I, I remind them that, that every time a sinner comes to know Jesus, the angels in heaven rejoice. In other words, what I tell them is, hey, did you know that you just started a party in heaven? And they look at me and go, huh? I say, yes, because the Bible says that every time someone returns from their sinful place, there is a spirit of joy that overwhelms the Father that infects the angels and, and the party begins and the rejoicing happens. And that's the picture in what Jesus is painting before these Jews. If you will simply return unto me, there will be great joy in heaven above. There will be great joy. I will go from brokenheartedness to a full rejoicing heart. Our Heavenly Father is so longing for His children to return home. And my friends, don't ever let Satan tell you that, oh, God will never forgive you. God will never accept you. God will never take you back. Listen, my friends, God paid the ultimate price for our sin. His son died on Calvary's cross and shed all of his blood so that no matter what my sin and no matter what my rebellion and no matter how long I've been gone, when I come back, forgiveness meets me at the door. Yes, I must repent just as the young man had to repent. But forgiveness is there. The last thing I want you to see is found in verses 25 through 31. The model father is willing to live with the uncertainties of life. 
None of us. None of us knows the future and what it holds. Being a father, being a mother, has no sealed and signed guarantee that everything is going to be all right, that all of our kids are going to do exactly what we want them to do and live how we want them to live the, 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 the Norman Rockwell picture life. No, not at all. When God gives us that little bundle of joy and says, here you go, do the best you can, set a good example for you, now try to follow it. But we've got a sinful little package filled with its own little desires. And as they grow, they show. And so being a father and a mother, there's no guarantee as to what life is going to give to us. However, we are called to live with the uncertainties which is built into every human relationship. The model father accepts this as a fact of life and moves on, faithfully doing and being what God has called him to do and to be, no matter what others in his life choose to do or say. I think that he was echoing the words of Joshua. As Joshua gave in Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15, gave his, his last speech to the children of Israel as he was phasing out and said, Listen, guys, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I don't know what everybody else is going to do, and I don't know what my next generation is going to do, but as for me and my house right now, we're going to serve the Lord. Our final reward as parents isn't being able to sit back and, 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 he, and say, wasn't I such a good father? Didn't I do such a great job? Granted, we all do take joy when we see our children do well. We all love to get out our pictures on our phone and show of our grandchildren and say, didn't I do well raising my kid? Look at these fine looking kids. They're doing so well. That's not the greatest joy. Yes, we enjoy the fact that when, when, when life gives us those precious moments, but really the greatest joy will come when it's all said and done and we're standing before our Heavenly Father and He says to us, Well done, my good and faithful servant. For the life in which you lived... The life in which you talked is a life in which was shared to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. Well done. Can I just remind you of something I reminded you at the beginning? God is God and we're not. Remember God is our model father. He is the only perfect example that we have. You and I, not being God, are simply flawed models of fatherhood doing the best that we can in the flawed condition that we are. But we have a great example to follow. And fathers, I encourage you to be reminded of this the key to following the model father is that knowing that we are imperfect fathers, 
And as imperfect fathers, we need to be able to humbly say, I'm sorry. And as imperfect fathers raising imperfect children, we need to also be reminded to be a forgiving father when our children don't do as we expect them to do. So let me close. Have you ever noticed how this parable ends? Have you ever noticed that there's no real ending to it? As a matter of fact, there's open questions. Let me just give you a few. Did the, the older son ever join the party? Did he ever make up with the younger son and say, Brother, I, 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 I understand that you had to live out your life and that you're back now, and boy, I'm glad you're back, and you're going to make my life a little easier? No. We don't have any of those answers. And Jesus designed it that way. Because he was speaking to the Jews and the Pharisees and those there that day, leaving an opportunity for them to see that their future was in their hands. And they had the opportunity to write the next chapter of their life. They could either receive the, the, the love of the Father or they could reject the love of the Father. Jesus simply wanted them to understand that God the Father is there waiting. You need to make a decision. For those of you that are here today or those of you are listening, you've never asked Jesus to be your Savior. The loving Father, the model Father is saying, listen, I'm waiting, I'm watching, I'm pacing the annals of heaven looking for you because I want you to be here. He's looking afar off waiting and when he sees us afar off let me tell you God comes and meets us he's prepared the way now make the next step all you got to do is walk one step towards him and he will meet you loving arms he will clothe you with his righteousness he will forgive you with his grace he will love you with an everlasting love. Today, you and I get to write the final chapters of our life. How is it going to end? How are we going to respond to the Father's love? Dads, will you follow the model example of the model father? Now let me just take a few moments to speak to those that are not dads here this morning. Maybe to speak to one or two of those sons. Have you found yourself down in the pig pen of life this morning? Have you found yourself wallowing in sin and knowing that's exactly where you are? This morning. God is asking you to simply wave goodbye to the pig pen and come home to Him. He's calling for your heart to repent, to tell Him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I come home today. Would you come home? Would you come 
and bow before the altar. And we're going to do that this morning. You've got to, there's enough room here if you need to come and you can spread out. You need to come and pray. The altar's open for you. But listen, there's a second son. You might be still in the Father's house. You might be still coming to church every week. You might be participating and, and, and teaching or, or in doing something in the church, but yet you're out of step with the Father. You're living in His house, but you're out of will. You're out of place. Kind of like the older son. He was just mechanically doing that which he knew to do, but yet when it all came down, he realized that he and the Father were not one. They were not in sync. And the Father invited him, Son, won't you come? Won't you come and be connected? I challenge you this morning, church. If you're here this morning and you're in the Father's house, but yet you and the Father are not clicking, there's a disunity there, there's a distance there, it's not on the Father's behalf. It's on you. It's on me. So I call you today to come. Just come and use the altar as an opportunity to say, Father, I'm recommitting my life to you. Father, I want to be in step with you. I want to get back in union with the Father. Father, forgive me. Though I have not left, I've left. And I want to return. God is calling us to be repentant this morning as well as He's calling us as fathers to follow the example that has been set before us. So if you would stand with me as we pray, if you would sign us off online. Father, as I bow before you this morning, I ask...